Jackson has his pass stolen by Caleb Grill. Caleb down the left side for the slam dunk. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go, Silver 7's all fired up. The madness is here. Welcome to the madness. Welcome to the madness. Uh, MWC madness. The game's on the floor. All the action off the floor with the very interesting mountain mess. At times, we're tracking game one of the day, and that is number one seeded San Diego State in massive trouble here against Wyoming, the eight seed. They were big favorites going into the game. And right now, San Diego State with the ball. It's 65-64. There's 5.3 seconds left. San Diego State... Did they get fouled? They're shooting free throws? They're shooting free throws. So they're shooting free throws, but even if you make both, you got 5.3 left for the Wyoming Cowboys to come down and potentially hit a game tying. Three-pointer. Wyoming did have a chance, ball in hand, down 65-64 with about 28 seconds left, but the shot they got off was not super quality and uh, deja vu, right? How many times have we seen UNLV in tight situations needing a quality shot, and San Diego State's defense steps up, and they force you into either a crowded lane and then tie you up, or you shoot an off-balance three, and the three, off-balance three, was what Quan Marble shot and missed it front rim. So Matt Mitchell to the line. This is a one-plus-one, isn't it? I don't think it's a double bonus. It looks like I can't see from this angle, but, yeah, I think it's a... (laughs) We're watching the TVs at the Corona Cantina. At uh, Silver 7, so uh, we can't do play-by-play. We'll be a little behind the action. Uh, let's see. One Mississippi. He made the first. Sure. He made the first. I don't know what the Mississippi is, but is that like an old yeah, One Mississippi, two Mississippi. You, you couldn't you couldn't rush the passer when you're playing uh, like no, I know that. four I, on four I football. I've never heard of, in regards to a free throw before, but yeah, one is in. Well, I was delaying because I can't do play-by-play. Sure. Second one. And I think Dutch was a foul guy, so... Uh, so explain that. So some coaches, you know, the strategy when you are playing defense up three, uh, the strategy is either to uh, try to defend and, and not let them get a good shot off or to foul and make them go to the free throw line where they'd have to try to make the first, miss the second, get the rebound. Um, I think Dutcher is a foul guy, if I remember correctly. That is usually a question that is asked at some point throughout the season uh, or if, if, if the situation ever comes up in a game. Uh, you'll say like, "Hey, what is your what is your strategy there?" It's usually a little bit different, but I think with Wyoming having some shooters and uh, the situation that they're in right now at you know just over five seconds, I think you make them bring the ball across, get it down to around three seconds, and then foul and uh, put them in a tough situation. So we'll see. I mean, you, you had referenced earlier, Wyoming will have a chance to try to make a three, even if San Diego State made both. Uh, but I I don't think that they'll they'll let them have that chance. Now the danger is players are getting better and better, and I actually saw this in the. Uh, Coastal Carolina Appalachian State game. I'm sure a lot of people were watching along with me, uh, where the player was smart enough as soon as the foul was coming to then go into the act of shooting and get the three shots. Uh, so that is the danger that's posed if you uh, if you don't foul correctly in this situation. We'll see what they do. Go across and looks like they fouled before half court. So Wyoming will go to the line for two. Uh, or one and one. I can't can't see on the scoreboard there, but uh, they'll go to the line here with uh, with three some seconds left. So looks like San Diego State's going to be fine. Not supposed to be this way. No, and I can tell you if they lost, 
they'd be in, but boy, would they get dissed in terms of a seed? Because there's nothing the uh, selection committee likes more with those blind resumes than smacking around a mid-major. Yeah, I think it would have been really good for the league for San Diego State to lose because San Diego State is in. Yeah. Um, and then you automatically get at least one more bid, which I think is going to be at least one more bid anyway, but um, that would have been very good. And it would have been good for the rest of the teams in the tournament, including UNLV to have that bracket open up a little bit without San Diego State there. And um, that's how it could have played out. But it does look like uh, San Diego State should survive here. But this is what March basketball is all about. And it's why we love it. Adam speaking with logic and reason. I'm speaking as a fan. Uh, would it have been disastrous for San Diego State? No, they get in. And like you said, the positive is the second team would get the AQ. Keep in mind, San Diego State may be playing its final, this roster, at least the guys coming back, could be playing their final basketball for Brian Dutcher at San Diego State. Now they could still play for Brian Dutcher and transfer, yeah, yeah. but uh, he would be a really strong candidate. Did I, I didn't see anything happen today. What was the Minnesota final today? Um, I didn't see the final score, uh, but I know that you know there is... I don't think it matters what happens with Minnesota. I don't think it does either. Uh, I mean, unless they were to make a run to the Final Four or something. Even if they made the tournament and uh, won a couple of games, I think that the decision's probably been made there. And Minnesota lost by four game effort, but they finish 14-15 and 15 on the season. They lose 79-75 to 75 against Ohio State. And what we're talking about is Richard Pitino in year eight, uh, only going to, I think it's uh, two NCAA tournaments, and now 14-15 and 15 this year, and, I mean, just – Hellish on the road. They couldn't win yeah. road games. And they have players. So uh, anyone out there who, you know, hey, you know, he's not getting players. He's getting players. So he's got Jamal Mashburn's kid who is going to be a superstar somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be at Minnesota if Patino goes bye-bye. But uh, Richard Patino could go elsewhere. Or, sorry. Could go to the unemployment line. And Brian Dutcher would be the number one candidate based on the fact that his dad coached there for 10 or 11 years. Right. Late 70s, 80s. And the other one, we're mentioning it a bunch of times as we're finishing up here to see if uh, what the margin is going to be with San Diego State. Is there at 67-66? So it looked like 3.4 um, left. I couldn't see the expression. Uh, I think it was Maldonado at the line. I uh, couldn't see the expression on his face. Uh, but it looked like uh, the, Wyoming tried to miss the second shot and accidentally made it. Oh, boy. So he tried to throw it off the backboard. It went in. Uh, so now. Uh, Still time left, though, if they get a quick foul. Uh, not 3-4? Yeah. 3-4, down one. March is all about no hope for Adam Hill. Yeah. San Diego State's fine. They're not yeah. going to lose. They won't uh, drop a seed. Yeah, I mean, in this situation, it would be a, an epic meltdown to not win from here. But uh, you're right. I mean, anything Were you not at the Dolphins-Raiders game in football? Uh, sure. You never know. Sure. You never know. The dream's alive, my friend. The dream's alive. So Matt Mitchell shooting free throws here. And just to finish up on the Dutcher to Minnesota angle, the crazy thing with that job is that Dutcher has a massive buyout, six mil plus, for anyone who wants to come and get him, except so. Minnesota. It's only one right. million. Like yeah. he put, Obviously, he put that in for a reason, so he's got to have interest in the job. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's no, it should come as no surprise to anyone that if that job was open, uh, first of all, that he would want it and that there, that, that there would be interest from Minnesota, based on all the success that he's had, not only uh, as a coach at San Diego State, as assistant coach at San Diego State, and as an assistant at Michigan, already in the conference of the Big Ten, and uh, you know, as a legacy hire at Minnesota, like th th these are the kind of things. Like, I mean, San Diego State's successful anyway, so nobody should be surprised that their coach is sought after. But uh, a lot of times, when people are second like, free throws down, sorry to yeah, cut you off. No, you're good. Long three pointer from 
about uh, 27 feet, top of the key. It's good. Nope, nope, it missed. It missed. There was a little delay there. I can't do play-by-play. So 69-66. Wow. 14.5-point favorite. It's the Madness. San Diego State doesn't cover but does advance. Yeah, close 15.5. Moved a little bit from 15 to 14.5 and and then back up to uh, uh, to 15.5. But, you know, a decent look. As you said, from about seven feet beyond the arc and two defenders on him, double clutching. But, uh, you know, San Diego State does survive, and Wyoming gave it a good go. And now we wait to see what happens with some of the jobs around the country. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, a while down the road. I mean, I think San Diego State uh, will be playing for a while, at least for another weekend. Uh, so I wouldn't imagine anything happens there with – with Dutcher, but yeah, you'll follow the Minnesota job. We expect it to be open, and then uh, dominoes start to fall. So we'll keep you updated on uh, what's going on around the country with college basketball conference tournaments. We've already had a one fall in uh, one of the mid-major conferences, so we'll get you updated on that. And, of course, we'll get you primed for UNLV and Utah State. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to go back and look at last night's game, a nice win, afternoon game, a uh, win over Air Force. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Out to grill, back to David for a three from the left corner. It's good. Everything's working for the Rebels now. David knocks down the first three attempt of the second half on a busted play. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. Big day yesterday for UNLV basketball, 80-52. to 52. They were expected to win. They were 12-point favorites against Air Force, but during the regular season, uh, Adam Hill, not easy. It was a 10-point win and a 5-point win, and this one was blown open in the middle of the first half with a 23-2 run, and uh, Air Force just kind of wilted. The Rebels defended the three-ball well. Air Force went 2-of-18 from long range, and that did it. They didn't have much fight down the stretch. Yeah, oh, of nine in the first half when the game was really decided. It wasn't never really as close after halftime. And so UNLV was able to completely shut down the perimeter, and that was something that they had talked about. And, and I think a lot of times people think of stopping the perimeter as just covering the shot. It's not always the case. And one of the things that UNLV has really struggled with, according to T.J. Otzelberger, and it's been pretty evident, is getting up on passers so they can't, deliver a pass right in shooting position for shooters and then it gives you a chance if they if the shooter has to catch it and gather it, it takes a while to get out and you know close out to them um it, it just helps the entire defense and that's really what UNLV I thought was able to do very well yesterday uh in terms of defending the three-point line and as we said over nine in the first half missed their first 10 overall before they finally made one the game was uh pretty much out of reach at that point and you know a solid solid effort defensively uh, the offense was clicking, and I think that had to do with the defense playing so well and you know generating stops and getting momentum and everything like that. So uh, I thought a, a really, really strong performance by UNLV, the kind of performance that you want to have to try to gather you know, some forward-moving uh, you know, confidence that could carry into the second day. You see, you see this in tournaments all the time, and it doesn't always work out. Uh, I thought you saw it a little bit in the Wyoming game that we just talked about and just watched. But the team that has a day to play – if they're able to play really well, which Wyoming did yesterday, maybe had their best game of the season, you can carry that over against a team that didn't have a game yesterday, that didn't uh, get acclimated to the court, that hasn't 
you know, started their postseason. And you can kind of catch them off guard a little bit and really take advantage of that. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, I thought Wyoming did that against San Diego State. And now you can see if UNLV can carry that over against Utah State today. Uh, one game is in in the Mountain West Conference today. San Diego State, the top seed, ekes by Wyoming 69-66. to If you're one of those people at the half who took SDSU, minus 8.5, well, you lost. So I might know someone who did that. Uh, they only win by three. Second half, obviously, they didn't blow the game open, but tough game. So San Diego State tested in this one. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Boise and Reno. As Boise is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. We mentioned one number one seed has already gone down in conference tournaments in the uh, mid-major Big East. Villanova loses to Georgetown. Patrick Ewing does a little trash talk after the game. Georgetown kind of looking for anything positive right now. But that's it's a big victory in the Hoyas NCAA tournament bid. Dream is still alive. Villanova last night on Bracketology was a four-seed. So I would assume they would lose at least a spot. Villanova's really falling apart here. And a, a big part of it is they've suffered some bad injuries. Yeah, are, aren't we, as the committee, aren't we supposed to take into consideration injuries and what a team is? Villanova is not a top four seed no. without Gillespie. Villanova's like an eight seed without Gillespie. They would not have been the one seed in the Big East tournament if they played right. the season without him. So. And from a mid-major conference, they should be treated like mid-major teams are treated. Sure, and they're not, but they're not considered a mid-major conference, which is what you're getting at. Um, considered by who? They're, they're, they're called a Power 7. Their TV contract sucks as compared to Power 5 schools. They're not, they're not in the same league. Now, Villanova is, I mean, Villanova is an outlier. Villanova is like a Gonzaga. Their TV contract sucks because they don't have football. Well, but that when it comes down to it, it's money. Sure. But so if, it's all about money. Sure. I mean, if, if they had... Well, they don't. They don't. Right, but I mean... Their payout from TV blows... To be a Power Five, you're getting twenty-eight to forty-five million dollars per school. Sure, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I just I, I think it's like it's almost saying like, well, that team has a you know t- terrible women's basketball team. Well, they don't have a women's basketball team exactly. Like I I don't think that it re- relates to whether they're a big conference or not because people in basketball see them as a major conference. People for, are wrong know, because it's yeah. tradition and and everything else. Uh, but you're right, they don't have the same budgets right. because they don't get the same TV deal, but they don't get the same TV deal because of football. If, you know, obviously if they had football, they'd be a major conference because people are interested in their basketball teams. They right. do, you know, they do get ratings. People do watch them. No doubt. I mean, they're, they're, Villanova itself is a powerhouse team. I mean, we're watching St. John's right now. I, I'm sorry. I, with St. John's funding and, and support, I don't consider them, you know, some power seven conference. On the way back, we'll get you the update on what's going on with Myers Leonard. And also, um, as Xavier Pope is going to join us, is calling him now the stadium situation, the crowd situation with the Texas Dangers. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on here from Silver 7s. We're uh, tracking all the college basketball action. Uh, tip up in just a little bit in game two of the Mountain West Conference just a stone's throw away from the Thomas and Mac. Uh, Reno could be an upset darling in this tournament. You know, pain in the uh, keister to defend going against Boise. Uh, I feel like uh, Steve Alford is a better coach in the matchup. I guess we can debate that throughout the game, and we'll see how it goes for Reno against Boise State. Some of the big news of the day in the NBA – Includes an unfortunate incident 
uh, Myers Leonard with a slur the other day while playing a video game. Anti-Semitic slur. Hmm. I don't know if the, uh, the penalty is appropriate. It seems kind of light. Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier in Chicago, an attorney and our uh, culture expert, and uh, always chimes in on stuff like this, unfortunate stuff like this, right, Xavier? Yeah, I mean, Myers Leonard got a week, $50,000 fine. Um, and the caveat is, well, Myers Leonard's hurt. He's out for the rest of the year with an injury. And so he's only suspended from the team's facility that, well, he just gets to chill at home, I guess. Um, and then also, because he's hurt, I mean, the, the, the few hundred grand that he was going to lose, he doesn't lose it. He will still get paid. So I don't, this really isn't a, punish, a penalty. This is all window dressing for a punishment to Myers Leonard. Um, and uh, the meeting with the, um, the, def- anti- the def- defamation league, I hate the meeting. But I, mean, I don't really see much, what change comes of this? What, what stops? I think the bigger issue is you know, a lot of the racism that is skewed online and online gaming is significant. And it's become a really big issue there. And online building on, and gaming platforms, I feel like that's the bigger issue that needs to be addressed. Um, outside of Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard getting suspended is one thing, but an entire culture of people who feel like they have the, you know, they want to, they basically become different people. They want to slide into a racist body and say racist and disgusting things against other people. I think that's the bigger issue that needs to be addressed. So, I mean, there's there's many angles to, to spin off from that, but I, I guess the first one would be, uh, should leagues be doling out penalties for speech? Like, should that be a the realm of the league? Well, I mean, you, you, part of your contract, you, you know, you, every every talent contract you would think of, uh, a specialized talent, has moral clauses in it in terms of you, actions you take that uh, reflect poorly upon the league. If you get in trouble... In terms of a crime, you're going to be suspended. Or, you know, it has nothing to do with what you're doing on the field. A lot of the activities that players get suspended for have nothing to do with the actual sport that they're playing. And so you are responsible when you are representing a league. You are an ambassador of that league. And one of the things is you don't do and say racist things. I mean, and you especially don't do it and say it publicly. And I, I, don't, I feel zero sympathy for Myers Leonard. Um, he, he, he said something extremely disgusting. It, and he took some took his time to say it the right way. Uh, he feigned ignorance, saying he had never heard of how to use that term. Otherwise, why would you just use a, a word not knowing exactly how it meant? With the level of force, um, he said it. So I don't feel I don't feel bad for Myers Leonard. It's one thing to say I don't like carrot cake, which I say all the time, and have be punished for that. Um, that's unfair. But in terms of talking about a, a slur like that, uh, Myers Leonard, you deserve whatever you smoke you get from that. So would you like to see him work on – I mean, I, I hate it when it's, you know, when it's disingenuous and when it's forced and when it's just kind of surface level, but would you like to see him do some real work on, you know, language that's used in online gaming and bullying in online gaming? Is that is that a path that he should be taking? I feel like if they're the Anti-Defamation League in terms of conversations they have with him, I feel like they should put him in a space where he's doing that and making him responsible for holding people accountable for their behavior in online. Because people have just gotten absolutely disgusting online, and that's, that's filled in so many different spaces. And I think that that would be something that would be more in line with addressing what actually happened 
as opposed to saying don't come to this practice facility and paying $50,000 when there's, that's, that's something that really doesn't really affect you or really anyone else for that matter. Would you be more, I mean, comfortable with it if they said your suspension doesn't start until when you're actually ready to play, like next year? I mean, they, they could, I think that's not a bad idea in, in terms of, of, of something like that. But then again, does that prevent what happened from happening again? And I think that uh, it doesn't. And I, I think that you know, people would have talked about whether it was too harsh to start it. I mean, that would be so far in the future. And it's so much, so, so much far in the future that we would forget what happened. Um, we know these things happen every day, move on the news cycle, and there's, we're on to the next thing. So I think it's more, it would have been more important to be able to address how can Myers Leonard use this platform to be able to make a change into how people are interacting online gaming. And that's the bigger issue. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, Xavier, let's get into uh, the many issues going down in Texas right now. First of all, uh, they're opening up and they're facing a bunch of lawsuits, like 600-plus that are COVID-related. And then there's the whole liability deal for businesses. This is very layered on what's happening from a legal standpoint with COVID in the state of Texas. Yeah, and I, I'm one of the people that have been, been yelling this from the rooftops for the last year that you be on, be on the ready. Because the reason why businesses closed had nothing to do with safety. It had everything to do with liability and not being prepared with insurance policies to be able to protect them for the flood of lawsuits that would take place. And so after Senate Republicans attempted to put into the initial second COVID-19 relief bill, I talked about this on the latest episode of Food Up News that just dropped today, is that that failed. And ultimately, nine-plus months of negotiating over a second COVID-19 relief bill didn't happen on the federal level, but then 30-plus states enacted or have passed or introduced measures to be able to have their own state COVID-19 liability protection. Now, this protects businesses from someone that enters the business or an employee from suing if they get sick with COVID on site. And so um, that has a significant impact. Like you mentioned before, six, it was 688 lawsuits last, uh, last I checked in terms of the state of Texas, a significant amount of lawsuits are related to COVID-19. Now, that governor in that state, Greg Abbott, has been pressuring the state legislature to pass its own COVID-19 liability protection. So here's the biggest caveat of it all, though. A lot of the, the state laws that are being passed over it, like you, you, you have to be able to follow state and local guidelines. And if you don't and you do so with gross negligence or recklessness or intentionality, then you don't get that same immunity. But what about if your state and local guidelines are basically saying, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to socially distance. And so the guidelines itself makes it so that businesses still operate recklessly and with gross negligence and never being held accountable for it. And then here we go with the Texas Rangers going to fill up the stadium with 40,000-plus fans. Yeah, they are, they're having masks, but what about all the different things that are happening around the stadium? We see every time we see a sporting event, people are taking off their masks. What about the concourses? I mean, there are so many different implications of that. And putting rules in place that don't protect fans at games and then turning around and letting businesses get off if people get hurt, it is, it is a big deal, and it is going to lead to so many different 
teams in various professional sports, allowing fans to fill up their stadiums and put the public in jeopardy when we're trying to get to the end of a pandemic. Xavier Postman is on Cofield and Company as uh, we're heading towards some uh, college basketball tonight here in town with uh, UNLV taking on Utah State, 5.30 with the pregame, 6 o'clock with the tip. Let's, uh, let's hit a couple of sports angles here. Uh, have you seen people out there who are trying to use Tom Brady and his willingness to take lower money over the course of his career, or less money, see people using Tom Brady to shame Dak Prescott for taking $40 million a year? You know, there's always going to be complaints about black, black players getting all the money they deserve and the issues with that. And if Tom Brady did what he did for himself to be able to go to Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl ring. It worked out well for him. Tom Brady is one of the biggest pitch men in professional sports, if not that he wants to win. And him winning on the field leads to all the big endorsements that he gets off the field. Uh, so uh, Tack Prescott getting money and people using Tom Brady as an excuse is foolish. Um, but it all comes down to that old age old trope about who gets who deserves to get paid and who doesn't deserve to get paid, who supports who it doesn't support who. Um, you'll see that continuously in sports because certain fans are mad that players are getting paid and they're sitting on their crummy job not getting paid. And so that's what I see that as. Xavier, we got to close on something goofy. I saw this. I think you sure. tweeted it on Friday. Do we need food like snack food, dessert foods with baby faces on it? Oh my God! The creepiest thing ever. It was. A, yep. It was. A, it was a. It was like a muffin with a baby face on it. Um, if you want to be scared, you feel free to go to my timeline. Uh, if you have nightmares, don't blame me. But it was the creepiest thing I ever saw. I don't see why would you put a baby's face in a in a cupcake. Yeah, go Did check out. Go, it's ridiculous. I I looked at it. It was from a Rochelle Riley, and it's a yeah a photo of. Uh, macaroons that look like baby faces and the person said i should have never eat cookies again it's it's it, i have a, i have a wacky weird sense of humor and so does adam hill but even this i was like okay adam would eat it adam would you eat him would you eat, no. would you eat like baby face macaroons nah bro i'm out <laughs> if we're all out then it, there's something wrong with it because we're pretty tolerant of uh some really weirdo stuff <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't eat that. I, I mean, I, I, I felt bad that I even tweeted it. I was like, I'm so sorry. I had to apologize for my timeline for giving people nightmares. Uh, Xavier, real quick, what do you have going on with uh, Suit Up News, your uh, two-minute-plus uh, newscast on Twitter? Yeah, it just launched today. We're talking about Texas Dangers, not the Texas Rangers, putting uh, fans in danger and also the state potentially protecting itself in terms of big sporting events happening and that's the impact of it around across professional sports. Big issue. We need to pay attention to it um, as we jump into um, this season as it gets warmer. Xavier, thank you. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Later, guys. Love you. There, there he is, the man, the myth, the legend. We love you, too, Xavier. Uh, on the way back, uh, we're going to get to uh, the latest scores from college basketball, get you ready for that Reno-Boise game. We're going to talk a little NBA with one of the experts from ESPN.com. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. Well, we expected to uh, be talking college basketball, a little NBA most of the day, a little VGK sprinkled in, but now we got a lot of VGK to sprinkle in. What the hell is going on now with the COVID list? Well, the Golden Knights have had a player added to the COVID list. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean there was a positive test. Uh, could be contact tracing. Could be several different reasons for going on the COVID list. But the player in question 
will certainly uh, get some people concerned that he's on the list. It is Marc-Andre Fleury, who is having his best season at this point, 12-5, and five, uh, like a 938 save percentage, 1.73 goals against. That's top of my head, so I could be off there. But uh, having a tremendous season so far. Uh, yesterday, struggled a little bit, uh, was pulled from the game. Uh, mostly, I think, because they have a, a back-to-back coming up Friday and Saturday, but it doesn't look like he'll be playing in those games anyway. Not guaranteed at this point, but it, it doesn't seem likely that he'd be able to play in the Friday or Saturday game in St. Louis, which will already be missing the return of Alex Petrangelo to St. Louis because he uh, came back uh, to uh, have his injury checked out and, according to Pete DeBoer, will be out for the, quote, the foreseeable future. Uh, so Petrangelo doesn't get that homecoming game just yet. And it uh, looks like Golden Knights could very well be without goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury. Robin Leonard entered kind of a conditioning mode of his recovery. Uh, he is uh, practicing with Henderson, trying to get ready. It doesn't look like he'll be ready in time, so I'd imagine Oscar Dance comes back up uh, with the Golden Knights. They've got Logan Thompson, who came in the game last night, didn't allow a goal, but didn't really see anything. Uh, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of flux for the Golden Knights at the goaltender position right now. Information should be forthcoming, right? <laughs> <laughs> no practice today, so no availability anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we will uh, see. I mean, maybe they maybe they mention it uh, tomorrow uh, at the, uh, the either the morning skate availability or the post game. But um, usually they are uh, fairly tight lipped about these situations for sure. We're going to get into some NBA here with uh, Kevin Arnovitz from uh, ESPN.com in just a couple minutes. What are your thoughts on Myers Leonard and what happened? Him dropping an anti-Semitic slur, playing a video game. Then his excuse was, "Well, I had no idea what that meant." Yeah. All right. Then what? What do you? What do you think it meant? Like that's the part I want to hear. Like I'd, I'd, I'd like to know that. Um, I mean, in general, I'm fairly, I'm not really comfortable with, you know, punishments doled out for language. Um, this is this is an egregious one. Like I, like I am always one that says context is everything, and context of this was really really bad. Like this was a this this was the case where it's really bad. It was kind of a it wasn't in anger, but it was certainly in um, in you know, passion for that word to come out. Like it it, it meant something uh, when he was saying it. So it, it's it's context. What I mean what I mean by context is you know screaming it in anger at somebody is different than you know if it was a lyric and you were singing it. Uh, it's just different, and the context of this is a really, really bad one. So, um, if there's going to be penalties doled out, I, I guess these are the cases to do it. But I'm not comfortable in general with it. I, I don't know what should be done. I mean, I, I think you should just understand when these when these things come out that oh, that's who this person is, and we all just you know accept that going forward, and that's kind of the penalty that you have to live in society as somebody who's like that. But at the same time, like th- there's no real. I mean, there's a, a large portion of the population that's not going to judge. And it's going to be like, yeah, me too. Well, let's talk about the NBA and uh, this penalty. Kevin Arnovitz covers the NBA with ESPN.com, ESPN the Magazine. What's up, Kevin? How are you? I'm well. How are you? We're good. We appreciate you uh, you jumping on. Uh, what are your thoughts here? This is really interesting with Myers Leonard. I've uh, seen anti-gay slurs dropped and penalized uh, up to the tune of $100,000. This was a $50,000 fine and a, a week off. For Myers Leonard, your thoughts? Yeah, and, and I'm, I have some of the same conflict, right? So I'm, I consider myself as close to a free speech absolutist 
as, as there are from, from all directions politically. Uh, so I'm never comfortable with penalizing expression. One person's epithet is another person's bad name, etc. I'm also someone who lost a great deal of family in Poland uh, to the Nazis. So, uh, so, so that there becomes this sort of tension between having certain norms in sports to say that there are certain things that you know are unacceptable as a as a means of professionalism as anything else. Like I think I, I think. There are you. You guys have employers. I have employers. These are private entities. I can't just say whatever I want to the boss, um, be it an epithet or you know just a more generic shove it. Right? Like I mean, there are the idea that we, we live in a, a place that doesn't you know that, that just allows unbridled speech is wrong. Um, yeah, you know it's interesting. Miami's in a funny position because he is a free agent after this season and he's out for the season with an injury. So sending him home, suspending him, even cutting them doesn't present any. You know, adverse effects for them, right? Like they, they, they lose nothing by making Myers Leonard go away. To me, the always interesting question is: Okay, what if this were one of their three best players? What do you do, right? Um, in this case, it's pretty easy. I, I don't buy the excuse. I feel like when you are a twenty-nine-year-old who makes seven figures and have done so for a long uh, time, you're not allowed to use the ten-year-old. I don't know what it. Like, if you're going to be a worldly figure who's going to play internationally uh, all over the globe with your NBA team, you kind of have to just assume the responsibilities of a grown-up person. So you can't use the 10-year-old's excuse. But, you know, Miami kind of, you know, they're in an easy situation because, you know, what, what happens is interesting is when really good players do bad things that warrant discipline and what do we do, whether it's criminal, whether it's speech, or whether it's something else. Has there been any comment? Did I miss it from Mickey Arizon, who is Jewish and actually was born in Israel, the owner of the Heat? Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm probably a little behind today on the story too. I haven't seen it. You know, I, I saw obviously the, you know, the general suspension, yeah. but uh, I haven't seen anything from the Arizon family yet. Interesting. All right, well, let's move on to action on the court. Uh, I saw you just wrote a story about the three ball. So, what's the theme of the story as NBA teams uh, trying to be efficient or shooting more and more and more? threes yeah you know it's interesting i consider myself sort of a, a, a modernist I, I i love small ball i love fastball uh i love when the game innovates what's interesting is is we're now at 70 a game between the two teams and that's an average game you're seeing games with over 100 now so the question is is there a critical mass can we all agree that three three-pointers a, a, a game is too few right like we would lose something but if the trajectory keeps going the way it is, let's say we have 80 and then 90, at what point does the game sort of lose a fundamental quality of, you know, just balance, right? I don't think any of us want to see Alonzo Mourning, Mourning versus Patrick Ewing anymore. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, I don't want to see WrestleMania. But, but I'd like to I, – I, I think we should preserve some sort of diversity of style, Right. Like, I think there should be a world where this team looks a little different than this team. And I think one of the things that when I started calling around, I had no interest in doing a story. I was just having conversations with executives, with coaches, you know, and just saying, hey, what's on your mind other than COVID? That was sort of my line of question. The number of people who are both new school analytics types and old school back-in-the-day types, they all have the same thing to say, which this is out of control. And so the question is, when does a sport sort of step in and say, all right, we need to make some modifications because we have – you know, too much of a good thing. And I think there are certain voices in the league that are starting to say, hey, we're at 40% of all field goal percentage attempts, rather, or from three. 
At what point does it become absolutely ridiculous? At what point is giving a 1.5 times premium on a shot silly when the shot is clearly no harder now than, you know, an 18-footer? It's fascinating. But I, I also love the, like, the other side of this. Like, I'm, I'm of the opinion you should only be taking threes and layups. Like, that's all you should take in a game, I guess, except free throws. When, yeah, you, know, you and me lot. both. Uh, yeah. But at, at the same time, like, I, I get what you're saying. But I also, I keep hearing people say, well, Utah takes too many threes. They're not going to be able to be, you know, they're not going to win in the playoffs. Like, what is, where does that even come from? Like, what are you talking about? I don't understand that side of it when people come with, with those, hey, that's not sustainable the way they're shooting. Sure it is. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's, it's twofold. One is we still are haunted by the ghost of the Rockets missing, what was it, 20-something in a row yeah. during that that crucial game against Golden State. And I still think there's this bias of, and bless his heart, I'm a big Barkley guy, but but there's this notion that there's something kind of unmanly about just shooting from the outside when you could be playing bully ball inside, which I think you and I both know is silly. Um, the problem is not that these are bad shots. The problem is that they're good shots, right? Like you would be performing basketball malpractice. If you decided, hey, my team's not going to shoot any threes, we're going to play the mid-range game. Go look at the offensive efficiency numbers of teams that have tried to, quote, play the mid-range games in recent seasons. It's not pretty. You know, I think the question is, do we want to, we want, you and I want a world where Damian Lillard and, and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are, are, are firing up threes. I don't need a game like the one I watched a couple of weeks ago between the Bucks and Timberwolves, where the centers in the game shot a collective 22 three-pointers. Like, I don't need backup center Naz Reed of the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, taking five, six, seven, eight threes a game. You know, I don't need Darius Baisley shooting five a game at less than a 30% clip. I think the question is, is, how do we get the best product on the floor? And I think there's a sense that, hey, three is great for basketball. At, like any good thing, there is a law of diminishing returns, and we might be on the back end of that curve. Do you get the sense in these conversations that they are going to try to figure out something, like in terms of rules, or I mean, do you do you move, make a four linebacker? Do you make a four point four point shot that people start shooting for? Like, what do you do? Yeah, so I, I think what you're going to start seeing is it's going to start coming the way it kind of works, and the NBA is a little bit like Washington. Like, they'll, they'll kind of start in committee, and I do. There is a competition committee that considers everything. Hey, do we change the goaltending rule? To you know, what do we do defensively? Uh, in terms of permissiveness, and I do think you're going to start hearing conversations at the highest level of the league saying, hey, is this something we need to at least be vigilant about? I mean, you know, I, I think one compromise is it really got out of control in 2018 when the freedom of movement emphasis, which just meant that, hey, the game was already kind of favoring offensive players and the league, you know, because I think it's generally good to see athletes do what athletes do, said, hey, you we're really going to put even more of an emphasis on freedom of movement. And that's when you hear these guys after games saying, I can't even, I'm not even allowed to defend anyone. They are kind of right. And I think there's probably somewhere between hand-checking Michael Jordan, Detroit bad boys, and aggravated assault versus the spa days that we give these guards now where you can't even touch a guy. And, and you know, I think it's Detroit uh, coach Dwayne Casey said, hey, we've got to let these guys try to impede penetration at least a little bit. And so I think there's probably a happy medium. I don't even say a happy medium. I think it's still closer to emphasizing offense. But I think there might be sort of a, hey, look, you can at least put a hand on a guy. Because I think so many of these three-pointers are not just, oh, they're great shooters. It's, you've seen it a million times. Point guard, high pick and roll, gets into the lane. Everybody collapses on that point guard because he's great. Now you've got four guys on the perimeter. 
who are ready for the pass, boom. And that, that's how a lot of these happen. You know, it's not so much James Harden stepping back, it's quick pitch out. So I think, I think kind of maybe massaging the defensive rules just a little bit to give defenders a chance. And I think that's sort of the sense is defenders don't even have a chance today. NBA expert from ESPN.com, ESPN the Magazine, Kevin Arnovitz is on the horn with us. Go check out his story. NBA insiders say all these threes are reaching a critical mass. we got like 90 seconds left. i got to mention, again, I think you were on with us a while back, and I was fascinated that you're doing a Top Chef podcast, Pack Your Knives. Can I tell you, I'm ashamed to admit this, I love food shows, cooking shows, competitions. I'd never seen Top Chef, and I just started last week going back to old seasons. I'm not going to name the season that I watched, but dude, I get it. I get why this needs a podcast. It's oh. amazing. Uh, I think the new season starts up in a couple of weeks. Uh, on Bravo. And uh, my, my buddy, Tom Haberstroh, who actually is the expert on four point lines has written about the four point line. <laughs> he and I co-host pack your knives. Um, it's going to be a great season. And uh, I encourage you and uh, to, to, to oh. follow along with the podcast. And, uh, and on a really slow day, you should have me and we can talk. Oh, I oh I and will. Your, and your listeners will turn off the radio. But no, no, okay. no, 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 uh, no. Because they know we love these reality competition shows. And, in fact, I've gone back. I watched one of the seasons kind of in the teens. And then I was like, you know, let's start going back and watching all of them. We started watching season one. And just, like, the production on the show and even uh, Tom Kalike on the way he acts and how polished he is later. Like, just watching stuff like that is fascinating when you go back and you're like, man, in its infancy, this was kind of a weird show. Season one with Bizarro. It was, like, not even – Real chefs on the show, uh, a lot of some of them were, but many of them were just clowns who, you know, were teaching, uh, you know, how to cook online. Right. No, and it's like watching old basketball grainy footage of guys shooting underhand. It is kind of strange. It was only two thousand six, but I, I love the the evolution of television and the the theme of the show. And no Padma, no Padma in the uh, original season, so that was a big loss. Um, enjoy. Uh, I am <laughs> I am eagerly awaiting the new season. Kevin, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There you go. Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN.com. Go check out a story on the uh, the three ball in the NBA. Maybe getting a little out of control. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.